Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Our goal for the show is to help uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. We really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. It's not the exception, but the norm. Today, we're going to be talking about liberation in community. But before we get started, I want to do what we normally do and just ground ourselves for a few minutes and invite you to center and find your breath. Invite you to tune in to that which gives you life because that's what breath is. And take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence, which is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. So as you connect with your breath, Breathe in the knowledge that the choices that you make are meant to manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. And as you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. In and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin our show. We are witnessing systems, white supremacy and patriarchy, to be for sure, that are breaking down all around us. And unfortunately, when systems of oppression are challenged, they rear up and they create chaos in the world. People begin fighting for survival. And sometimes it seems like we're going backwards and not moving forwards. But We have to be creative and we have to challenge the status quo. And so my guests today have done exactly that. They've been doing it for years, but over the last few months, and in particular, um, over the last, I, I think, six weeks, they'll talk a little bit more about it. They've actually engaged in a course where they're taking a look at the patriarchy and they're taking a look at white supremacy. So I'm delighted today to invite back two guests that I've had on the show before, Monette Chilson and Tracy J, as she is known. And so I want to tell you a little bit about Monette. Monette is an excavator of our sacred feminine lineage. She's written extensively on the alternative creation myth of Lilith. It began with some children's books and she's expanded from there. She really is um, an ambassador of sorts, of breaking down the patriarchy. And I say that with fervor and with passion because we do know we need to change systems. What I love about the work that Monette does is that she really takes a look at the ways in which we even imagine who God is and who God is for us and talks about the ways in which we have left out the feminine when we think about the sacred. Tracy J um, in business and in life is known as the quiet rebel. Is there such thing as a quiet rebel? Because even if we're doing it in our way of writing, it's making noise. Or if we're doing it in a quiet mannerism, it's making some noise. And so I love this idea of the quiet rebel, but her work in the world is creating incremental and organic shifts to the status quo. I so appreciate that because often people talk about, you know, what am I going to do in my own little corner of the world? It's about taking the small steps. And so Tracy J took a step forward. And if you will remember from her last appearance on the radio show, she talked about 100 Voices Guided Conversations that she developed during the pandemic. And so if you want to know more about that show and that work, you'll have to go back and and view the previous show. Because today we are here to talk about the work that the two of them have done and are doing together where they're collaborating 
on changing the status quo by looking at two big systems, patriarchy and white supremacy. So I want to welcome each of you to the show today so we can jump right into the conversation. So let's get started. I've already talked with you all uh, previously about what grounds you in this work, but I want to begin our conversation. You just completed a course with a group of women where you took a look at both patriarchy and white supremacy. And I'll use racism, um, you know, because that's really what's in the title of your work. And let's get started with what did you decide to take on such a huge topic? If we talk about any one of those things, patriarchy or racism, it's huge. But you two decided, no, we've got to address this together. So tell me what precipitated this conversation and this desire to do this work? I'll jump in. Um, it was a very organic process for us. Um, Tracy and I have a lot of conversations about a lot of things that don't make sense. And often they lead right back to patriarchy and racism. And um, in one of those conversations, I think it might have even been one, Tracy sent me a picture this morning and said, hey, was this the time we were stomping around Pondicherry? I think it was that day. We were actually literally stomping, talking about needing to shake things up. And little by little, it just made sense that uh, we tackle them together because, you know, Tracy articulates very well they really are one system. And so I'll let her expand on that. So um, what kept coming up for me often in conversations specifically with, uh, with white women was um, that I could see and hear in them that they could very clearly articulate the problem of patriarchy and really identify with needing to upend that system. But when I would listen to the arguments that were presented about patriarchy, they mirror the arguments with racism. And I just kept hearing in my, in my soul, it's the same system. <laughs> it's the same system. And, um, and I think that because we've been so actively trying to go about them separately, that has given those individual ideas more power. Mm. And so if we could come together, because coming together is what solves so many problems, if we could come together around the idea of eradicating the one big problem, as opposed to thinking of it as two small problems, I felt like that we could uh, make a bigger impact. Mm. And, and for sure, um, because there's this whole thing of divide and, and conquer sort of thing. So, right, you know, if we get one group to think that you have more privilege in one area than the other, then there becomes this competition. And so we don't have to really be able to hear one another in the conversation. And we continue to fight for our own um, desires and privileges. And what I'm listening to when I hear you all talk there had to be a comfort zone that you had with one another. There had to be an openness and a willingness to listen. So for instance, Monette, when you were talking, in order for you to understand or to even hear what Tracy is saying about racism, you needed to be open to feeling like, hey, wait a minute, maybe we do share some things and, and even vice versa. Mm-hmm. I think... Oh we've built that kind of relationship. Um, and it's interesting because it, the work I've done for years, you know, dismantling patriarchy, I'd say like a lot of white people in 2020, I began to wake up on a different level, um, be aware of on a different level, do the work in a different way. So by the time Tracy and I were having this conversation, 
I was ready. I was ready to go there. Um, she didn't have to explain to me why we needed this. Um, and what I've seen that's been a beautiful thing during the class, a way that it came together, it's almost like using those muscles and practicing. I've seen in the exercises we've done over the six weeks with the class, they've developed a liberation lens. Mm -hmm. So not a, oh, I'm going to see white supremacy over here and I'm going to see patriarchy. Once you practice it, you can't help but see it. When you see one, you've kind of rewired your brain to then go, oh, wait, there's that too. And and I, I find myself, I'm working those muscles as we're teaching that class. So I see things on both sides that maybe would have slipped under my radar before. So we just have to practice, right? We don't come born knowing how to see and do this work in the world. So I, I want to talk about your class a little bit. Um, you said a lot there too, but I, 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 I think it'll unfold as we continue the conversation. So tell us about your class. Tell us the name of the class. Um, you know, I want to hear about what are some, some of the surprising things that came up for you after people signed up for the class. You know, what surprises came up for you and for some of the participants? So tell us about your class. And you're both being so polite. So like, we don't want dead air. We want conversation. I know. So so I have to just tell, listen, listen, I want to tell my audience because we had a conversation prior to even coming here where the three of us were just really engaged in this very powerful and dynamic conversation. And so uh, we don't need, we don't have to do the pauses. Just jump in there because it was so lovely in terms of you talking about why you wanted to do the course and what were some of the things that you learned, because I think it's really important. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have to go to a break in just a second here. So, so here's what I want to do. We'll, we'll go ahead and get ready to cut to the break, but when we come back, let's jump in there. And if you both start talking, it's okay. You'll, 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 you'll see that the other one is talking and you'll stop. But I really want to know, like, tell us about the name of the course, because that also drew people into the course and then talk about what came up. Because even though Monette is saying, I've been involved in this conversation of patriarchy for a while. So it was a little bit easier. I know from working with white folks, it's not always that easy when you start to talk about race because people say, well, I'm oppressed too. And there, and then there's this competing thing that comes up with you all it didn't seem to work in that way. And so I think that there's a learning here for my audience as we try to educate folks on how can you connect with people who are different from you and work towards the same values, which is taking down the system. Yes, taken down the system. By white men. So there you, there you go, yeah. right? Yeah. So we are going to take a break. This is just not for racism. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Hi. 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with Dismantle Racism. My guests today are Monette Chilsom and Tracy J. So before the break, we were talking about the course that you all offered, and I want to hear more about it. But I also want to make one thing clear, that just because we're talking about taking down a system of patriarchy and racism, it does not mean that we're anti-white men. And so I want to make that clear. It really is about supporting us for equity, And equity doesn't necessarily mean that you want other people not to have. It just means that you want the the particular group that you're seeking equity for is to be able to have their fair share. And so I just want to make that clear because I know I have white men who listen to the show as well. And I want to have more white men on the show. And I don't want this to seem as if it's really we're making a personal attack against you as a group. But it is important to know that the system is a white male system, and there's no denying that. So having said that, I want to invite uh, you all into the conversation, picking up where we left off before the break around your course. So I want to just, before we jump into the course, just echo your comment about white men. I was actually thinking about that this morning, um, that there are white men who I, I love and respect and who are in my circle of friendship. And, um, and, and I think that the, the reason that they are in my circle of friendship is because they understand the systems that have supported the things that have kept, not me personally necessarily, but me as, a, as an idea of black, black women suppressed, right? Um, and so it's not, white men as people, it is white men as the idea. It's the idea of whiteness and the idea of maleness um, somehow being superior to all other things on the planet. Um, That is the reason why we even have to have these kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. And also along that line is that men, white men, lose in the system too, in different ways. But they lose, um, when we put anyone in a box and tell them what they can be and what they can't be, they lose what's outside of that box. So emotional sensitivity, um, gifts they could bring to the world that they don't feel like they can. So this is not a system that is, you know, worth keeping around for anybody. Right. And, and you know, it's so interesting because when Tracy when you said not me personally with the suppression, I actually think that we're all suppressed, whether, whether it feels like it, there's something in the way that the system is structured where we all suffer from it. And as if it's happening to this group over here, or if it's happening to my, my uh, fellow uh, people of color, to me, it's a personal thing. And then there are other ways that it shows up, right? It may not impact us, in terms of our success, but the suppression mm-hmm. is there. And what we've done is we've learned how to navigate these systems so well that we began to think that it's all, it's our own idea about yeah. what we're doing. And really we're but 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 of course we we're going off on another portion <laughs> yes. of the conversation. This is what happens when the three of us get together. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about your course because there were some very interesting things that you discovered in during the doing the course. So Let's talk about. So the course is called Liberation, 
freeing ourselves from racism and patriarchy or patriarchy and racism. I don't know the, which, it doesn't matter which direction you put those. Um, and in the course, we talked about um, examining ourselves and the ways that we um, take in the systems that have been oppressive, um, examining what we were taught, including what was left out of what we were taught, and then um, examining how these systems show up in the world. And finally, this week is our last week together. We're going to talk about um, what we can do with what we've learned. So, so that's the the sort of broad strokes outline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What were some of your surprises that you found in doing this course? I'll start at the beginning. Um, because it was a very early surprise. Tracy is really good at designing surveys to find out where we are at the beginning. And, you know, just something I found out about myself, and I think a lot of people do, is that I tend to think if something makes total sense in my brain, that it's functioning the same way in everyone around me. And I don't necessarily acknowledge that perhaps people are coming from very different places. So the survey was really helpful because we had these two parts of the same system we were focusing on. And we wanted to see where people stood on readiness, which of course they were all ready to look at it because they were enrolled in the class, but really what they saw as how problematic these two systems were in relation to each other. Did they think one was, you know, more oppressive than the other? Did they think one was less, whatever. Um, and it was interesting to see that, um, you know, my little train of thought was that racism, the stakes, when it is, when it shows up in the world, the stakes are higher. So it seemed much more problematic, but other people had different ways of looking at it and thought that, you know, patriarchy was more pervasive. And um, so that was, I'm really glad we started that way. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that in terms of the people in your group mm -hmm. feeling that patriarchy was more pervasive. Um, can we talk about what was the, the racial uh, component of your group? If we had to look at the demographics. Mm -hmm. the, the, the demographics are 99% white well, female. Mm -hmm. So I have to ask you then, Tracy, were you surprised See, see, Monette is coming in because she's ready and she knows mm -hmm. it. Like, were you surprised that white women thought that patriarchy was more pervasive than racism? I was not surprised at all. I was not the least bit surprised. Um, and I had expressed that to Monette. We had a little, we don't really disagree very much, but we had a little, a little back and forth exchange about that prior to hearing the results of the survey. And I was like, friend, I'm trying to tell you, I'm, I, this is the world I'm sitting in. This is the world I'm listening to. This is how we even got here. This is why we're having this conversation. It's because I, I spend a lot of time talking to white women and even the ones who are gung-ho about changing the problem of racism still see themselves as oppressed. and. Mm -hmm. Not that white women are not oppressed because the systems, plural, singular, are oppressive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but no, I was not surprised. <laughs> well, so, and, and this is a conversation that's been going on for years because Peggy McIntosh, excuse me, uh, a feminist from probably in, in the 70s, she thought the same thing, that patriarchy was the, the governing thing. And so then she does this research and she discovers in, in the research that she does is that it really was racism and not just patriarchy that really defined a difference between what Black women experience and what white women experience. So yes, white women experience some oppression, but then when you add race on top of it, my experience of oppression is very different than what a white woman's is. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. And the other thing is I, I would be curious if just in terms of talking to you, all, I, I believe I already know the answer to this, but like for me, when something happens and I see some discrimination, 
I don't go to woman first. I go to race first. And I bet you that differs for, you know, white women versus women of color. What would you say? Well, speaking in the, in the body that I was born into, right? This with this brown skin and my female parts. Uh, the, the femaleness, I could, if I desired to, disguise. I could show up in the world as a man if I chose to. Um, but I could never show up in the world as a white person. There's no way ever for me to turn this off. There's not enough makeup, not enough anything that could change the fact that I'm black first. Mm. I, you see that first. Before I've actually been confused as a man because I wear my hair cut really short. So from behind, you might mm. not even know that you're talking to a woman. Mm. Um, so it... 100% I um, I hear what you're saying and, and agree that it's, um, it is a different sort of battle. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad to be in the fight. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think, Monette? It's a different battle, but you're fighting a lot of the same weapons being hurled at you. Um, so it's hard for me to really, you know, put myself in what would it be like if I were walking through the world, not only in a female body, but also in a black body. It's hard for me to actually do that. But I feel like um, it's almost just like a leveling up. Like there's this base level that white women deal with. And we have to look at and recognize as white women that black women have all that stuff we have and this whole other thing. So it's this awareness. And once you start seeing them and how they work together, and there were different things we talked about in the class, you know, either historical things or cultural things where we were able to pinpoint, um, you know, patriarchy showing up here race is showing up here and really explore either the intersection, depending on the situation or the way they were going along beside each other. Hmm. So when we come back from our break, I want to talk to you about how you were able to hold that tension, because mm -hmm. if you're in a class that is predominantly a white class, and even though you're talking about both these tensions, you know, how were you able to, to bring them to a place of balance? And how were you able to keep that balance because each of you enters the conversation from your own perspective. And I certainly think it helps Monette that you're, you're, you're on the side of like, listen, we've got to talk about racism because that way the two of you weren't sort of battling. No, I'm over here talking about this and you're talking about this. You were able to hold one another. So when we come back, we will uh, dig into holding that tension Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. 
On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with Dismantle Racism. My guests today, Monette Chilson and Tracy J, have been talking about a class that they did together where they were looking at patriarchy and racism. So before the break, we were talking about how are you able to hold that tension and keep that balance? Because I imagine that was pretty tough to do at times. You're you're muted, actually, Monette. I can see you're trying to it, talk. It wasn't <laughs> nearly as difficult as you might think. Um, I think because of how we worded the title for the class, that um, the people who showed up knew what to expect. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't come pre-wired, maybe, with a leaning in one way or the other. Um, but they were ready to hear from both perspectives and also ready to figure out how do we topple this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like not just hear about them, learn about them because we live in them, but how do we move this needle? So, Mm -hmm. so they were, they, they came in ready. Mm -hmm. They were, I would say after the first class, we did a lot of like laying the groundwork and logistics. And there were people that were like, no, no, we want to talk about that. Like we want to dive in, Um, and you know, thank goodness there were two of us because we could kind of check each other, like the organic conversations would flow, but sometimes they would go way down, you know, often towards racism. And honestly, often Tracy would, would bring me back or I would be like, oh, we should talk about this in class this week. She's like, yes, but where's patriarch? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so it was good. Mm, mm. which really kind of says that that even as facilitators we come in with our own concerns wiring and what we want to to talk about um i i do think though from the perspective of a facilitator that it was great to have you monette saying let's talk about this because as a person of color that enters into white spaces if it's constantly just the person of color talking about it it's heard differently because there are times you could say the exact same thing and people are listening to you, but a person of color says it is like, eh, you know, and, yeah. and so I appreciate the, the partnership that you all had and the balance that you had. I'm curious though, because these are tough conversations, mm-hmm. particularly, I think it's tough when we start to talk about race and, and when you have a mixed group. So the one thing that you all shared was uh, identifying as a woman. So then that you could talk about the patriarchy and you could talk about it in a probably in, in a way where everybody felt safe. But then when we began to have that conversation about racism, people don't always feel safe and people worry. Am I going to say something that's offensive and all of these other things? So how did you create this? Uh, feeling of safety for the people in your group? Well, we always begin with agreements. And even though we introduce the agreements in the first class, we repeat them every week so that there's never any confusion about what we've agreed to. And um, I use this acronym LOVE in my work, which is listen with your heart, observe your own biases, venture into unfamiliar territory and expect the best. Um, and so that's always the, the first agreement that we will love first always. Um, and in addition to that, there's an agreement around safety, right? Um, sometimes we confuse safety and comfort. comfort. Mm-hmm. And being uncomfortable does not mean that you're not safe. And so 
understanding that at the top and knowing, okay, sometimes this conversation is going to make me uncomfortable and that's going to be okay. The discomfort is part of the learning. It's part of the growing. Um, and then the, the flip side of that coin is to be brave, right? You can't show up in a space where you think you're going to be unsafe without bringing some courage with you, mm. right? So you have to also agree to be brave in the spaces where you maybe think you're unsafe, but you're really just uncomfortable. Be brave. Yeah. yeah. And as part of that, laying that groundwork, we also had the conversation that part of the learning or unlearning rewiring work we were doing that if someone, anyone, I mean, it could have been me or Tracy, or if anyone in the group said something that hits you in a way that stirred something up, don't just take that in and, you know, stop it. Like be curious about it. That's a good way to approach it. Don't say, I didn't like how you said that, but what did you mean by that? Um, I'm interested to know more about that word choice. <laughs> so we put that out there so they wouldn't feel attacked if one of us was curious about the way someone expressed something. What do you think were some of the maybe biggest learnings for learnings for you as a facilitator, or even just if you can just recall some of the uh within confidentiality, of course, some of the, the, the participants, what do you think some of the learnings were? Um, it, like there's a whole like swirling of things trying to, trying to find their way forward right now. <laughs> Let me just throw like, you let your swirl trace. Okay. I'll throw a few that are swirling for me. Um, okay. There was different levels. Some was um, not the most impactful was the more intellectual where we learned obscure facts and, you know, the things that were omitted from history. That's important. But I think the real like transformation came in the later weeks of the class where people brought up maybe really painful memories, experiences from way back and said, this is what I saw. And this is how I think race and gender was playing into that. And can we talk about that? And can you hold space for that? And it could be something someone might've been holding for decades mm-hmm. and not knowing what to do with that and let, just holding space and talking about that. That was super powerful. And then I think one thing we did that brought some things forth was just connecting, um, really personal stories about our own family histories to the learning. So it's not like, oh, the history book says that. It's like, oh, wow, my great, 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 great grandfather enslaved people. And wasn't that interesting? I believe this person was actually his son. And isn't that interesting? And that kind of stuff. And then another woman had, you know, female domestic abuse generations back. Well, how does patriarchy keep supporting that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things, I think, brought a lot out. Yeah, what's rising to the surface for me right now is the week that we talked about code switching. Oh, yeah. And um, we shared a Disney short called Pearl, um, which I highly recommend. It's Pearl, like knitting and pearling with the P-U-R-L, Pearl. Um, and it's a, a film about a ball of yarn that uh, shows up to work and has to, uh, decides to, doesn't have to, decides to refit herself into what she sees around her. White man, what she sees around her. Yes, what she sees around her is white (laughs) man. And and she's the only ball of yarn in the space. And I'm saying she because it just seems like she was a she. but she could have been a gay man for the same, you know, she could have been any identity other than heterosexual white male. Mm-hmm. Um, and she fashions herself into a suit that looks very much like the suits that she sees around her. And she takes on the personality of the people around her um, so that she can fit. And oftentimes when we talk about code switching, we think about it from a racial perspective. But women do it also. We just don't do it as apparently, maybe, mm-hmm. as as people of people of color. I hate that term, but pe- non-white people. 
Um, and so that that short was really enlightening for me personally, but I think it also left an impression on the other people in our class mm -hmm. uh, because it helped open the conversation about ways that we all show up in spaces outside of our authenticity um, in order to fit the systems that are, are in the mainstream. You know, what's really interesting as you're saying this, as you know, talking about the swirling, lots of things are going through, through my mind and, and we do it unconsciously or we do it. Sometimes you just have to do it because of the, the, the audience that you have. I think about the ways in which um, when I pastor a white church versus the, when I pastor a predominantly black church. Now, of course it, it, you just really have to exegete the people that you're mm -hmm. serving in that moment. And I get that and I understand that, but there's still just an automatic thing that you do. Uh, if I go to a party, you know, for instance, even with code switching, when it relates to that, if I go to a party, uh, you know, at a white person's house, they say it starts at two o'clock. I'm going to know two o'clock is, is the time that I need to show up. If they're saying it's two to four, the party's two to four. A person of color, maybe, Maybe it depends on the person. So I don't want to stereotype. But what I'm very clear about is, um, you know, our norm, our rules may be a little different. So that if you say, oh, the party starts around two o'clock, you may or may not expect that I'm going to be there at two. And if I and if I switch that around and just make it about me so that I'm not stereotyping all, you know, uh, black people or or other people of color, Tracy, I have to throw that out there. But I know that I can use the example at my own house when I would say I was going to have a birthday party for my kids. I knew that if I said the party was from two to four, I needed to be ready right at two to four because the white people were showing up at two to four. Other people, they know, like, because the party's going on way past that time because yeah. that's just how we do it. But, um, you know, yeah, but let me tell you something else that's, that's showing up for me right in this moment is so you just mentioned um, this word unconscious. Right. And oftentimes when we're having these kinds of conversations, we talk about unconscious bias, but we hardly ever discuss unconscious code switching. Yes. Yes. And so I just want to just throw that into the pot of this conversation that that well, these things that happen unconsciously are not just about biases. It's also about us. Right, right. And so what happens is if you think about this, even as it relates to patriarchy, there's a way that we engage as, as women when we are around men, particularly in the business world, that's very different than when we are with one another. And so one of the questions I actually had for you all, which we'll have to take after the break, is I want to know whether your classes are open to men and whether and what you think the dynamics would be if you were working with a man. Because I know that generally speaking, when I have a client that is uh, who identifies as male, the conversation is completely different than it is when I have um, a a one who identifies as a woman. But the other thing is, because you mentioned a gay male before, I also know that gay men have to code switch a lot as well. But then there, the other thing that I notice about gay men is that often, well, I know this from one very dear gay friend that I have who is a white male, I often have to, who is gay, I often have to remind him of his privilege because sometimes, he thinks because he's been oppressed as a gay person that then he still doesn't reap the other benefits. And so that's why we have to have these deeper conversations. I'm like, you, no, 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 no. Your, your, your whiteness is showing up right now and your male privilege. Like I, it, it's so interesting in our relationship because he's very, very racially conscious, but sometimes when he's engaging in a particular way, I'm like, you you're comfortable doing that at one as a male and two, you're, you're a white male. And so I think it's really powerful for us to understand the ways in which we all can code switch sometimes, and then also how we can benefit from the systems that, that we're born into. So let's take a really quick break. And when we come back, I want to find out 
what you think about having men to join this conversation of patriarchy and racism. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with Dismantle Racism. It's been such a delight talking with the two of you today, but we were talking about your your class before the break and your class around liberation from patriarchy and racism had more women. Well, all it was an all women group. First, was it only open to women? That's my first question. And secondly, what do you think it would be like to include some men in the discussion? So I think because of who Monette and I are in the world, we naturally attract women to our conversations. Um, We understand the sisterhood that happens in conversations that are uniquely female. Um, And also we did not restrict men from joining the class. Um, They didn't sign up. Mm. And, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Um, I, Personally, I wouldn't have objected to having men in the class. I think that it would shift the dynamic considerably, but I also um, think that they need to be in the conversation. Mm. I don't think we can have a conversation about who they are without them. Um, and so I, I welcome them the next time around. When, whenever we get a chance to do this again, I would love to have some men in the class. Now, Monette might have some different feelings about that, but. <laughs> it's funny, Carolyn, because when you ask that question, I'm messaging Tracy in the chat on the side going, do we want to let men in? And, you know, as you can see, she's very open to it. I will just say that my own bias is probably showing up because I do love that sisterhood feel, but also Tracy was the only black person in that group. She had to navigate things. I did not have to navigate. So maybe me being like, eh, I don't want men. Well, maybe it would be good for me to have to navigate that hurdle of someone coming with a different experience than me. So I am open to it. I will have a while to work up to that. It will be different. It will be more challenging. And I think we will just have to work harder because there's part of that patriarchy that shows up as women have a whole lot of crazy ways. They think it's okay and it's not okay to show up when men are present. And I don't think that will slow me and Tracy down, but um, we are going to have to hold space really well for the women in that group. So, I mean, listen, you bring up a dynamic that happens when we're doing uh, race trainings all the time. I mean, it actually isn't a surprise that Tracy was the only 
person of color and the woman, I mean, black woman, since you don't like person of color, you know, Tracy always has me thinking about uh, uh, my language here, but the reason why it doesn't surprise me is because when I offer my courses on dismantling racism, more white people show up. And it's primarily because it's people uh, of color, because I'm including lots of people other than black folks, we're tired. We don't want to engage in the conversation and sometimes feel like, look, that's your work to do, not my work to do. I don't want to come and have to hold your hand. I mean, it's lots of reasons people don't show up, though, when they do show up, it makes for a more dynamic class and the learning is very different. And it is our job really as facilitators then to be able to create that space where where women could show up authentically as who they are. And that takes a lot of work to do. And so perhaps one of the things to do is, is to have two, two different classes, right? One where women could come and they could be in their place of safety. And then when they've had some learnings and, and some rewiring and reconditioning, then they're invited into a bigger conversation, one where uh, men are able to come in. Because unless we have allies, unless we have people who can really do the work of tearing down the systems, we'll be in the same places. Because I think just like, you know, as Tracy was saying before, there's this unconscious um, bias that's there. There's unconsciousness even around the ways in which those who identify as men and those who identify as women show up in the world. Men do things because that's how they were trained to do them and are, and are not even aware sometimes that they are, yeah. uh, that that patriarchy is coming into play. You know, I think about it as it relates to uh, what I see happening in church spaces all the time. Men have been trained to be head of household, head of churches, all of that. So when they yeah. come into a space where there is a woman clergy, they they still act as if the woman clergy doesn't exist oftentimes. Yeah, they're confused. They're yeah. confused. Yep. I want to um, jump in real fast if I can and just talk about language real quick, mm-hmm. um, because I know that I am uh, very, I'm hypersensitive about language. Um, but here's the thing about naming a thing, right? Um, when we say people of color, even if we're not just saying black people, right? Being specific about what kind of person of color we're talking about. We um, default to the language that we've been given, which is to not name whiteness. Mm. And so um, if you recognize like in the media, whenever there's a person who is white, who has done a thing, they never say white male or white woman. They always just say person. They just say man, woman. But when it's a person who is not white, then they say black person or Latina person or Asian person, or they'd name it, right? We never name whiteness. And so rather than saying person of color, I would rather say Mm. non-white. Because I think we have to get in the habit of naming whiteness. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can't argue with you there. Yeah, you know, it, it, it will probably, in terms of my language, be something, particularly since I just wrote my book and talk about BIPOC all the way through there. But I'm always open to, to learning. But I equally talked about white folks, like like if I had to use a term, I call white what it is, because I do believe that it's important for us to talk about white and whiteness, which is a whole another thing, right? Because that's a whole conditioning that we have. But I do want to just say, because I know that we we are going to um, run out of time here really quickly, that I appreciate the two of you deciding that you're going to take on this topic, because I think what it does is that it shows a bonding and it shows that we indeed feel uh, the importance of both of these issues. And I think that when people can see that you're not trying to say, well, it's me versus them, then the allyship becomes stronger because you decide we're trying to take down a system. So I love that you're talking about, you're actually talking about a system of uh, white supremacy that's built on white patriarchy as well. And that's the system 
that you're you're taking down. And it doesn't mean that um, you're not being loyal to your race or to your gender as you define yourself. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that we all have a shared humanity. And with that shared humanity, it should be about the common good. So I want to just, uh, before we, we close uh, here to find out any final thoughts uh, from you all, because I'd love to hear where people can get in touch with you. So what do you have coming up next? Well, we are excited to, um, to repurpose this work um, and create an evergreen model so that people can sign up and take it as they feel led. Um, so we're working on that soon and we'll um, share how to get that information in the somewhere. I'll send it to you so you can have the link. People can okay. have the information on how to sign up. There's a wait list. Okay. 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 Well, you could actually just give them the link to your site for right now. So that they will have it. So what, how can people get in touch with you? Um, I'm at quietrebellife.com. Okay. Thank you. And Monette. And I am at join thereclamation.com. And I also wanted to say that Tracy and I separately have really powerful conversations with authors coming up. Um, Mine is with Dr. Christina Cleveland on the 18th about her book, God is a Black Woman. And I am so excited about that. And I got the registration up. So it's join the reclamation slash God is a Black Woman. And I'm sorry, but you have to capitalize God is a black woman or the link doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you both so much for coming to the show today. It was a delight talking with each of you. Um, and I do wish you much success on your future programs that you have. I want to invite the guests to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. I invite you today to tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that are going to manifest your good and those around you. Know that we are all one and we exist because of one another. Make it a priority to love, to share your love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Bye for now. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 